Weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right folks, officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast for the fans and the only podcast partnering with Schalke themselves. I'm your host Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are indeed some of the best fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring your game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Victory Wednesday, Jack. Yeah, the rare Wednesday night edition of the pod. I don't even know if we've ever done this before, but uh, late in the week, it feels kind of strange. But uh, yeah, it, l- luckily we waited until Wednesday because now it is a Victory Wednesday podcast, as you said. That's right. Our calendars were not messed up. Um, we wanted to wait and uh, see the Pokal and see how that went, and we, uh, we're glad we did because uh, it certainly turned out better than it did at the weekend. Absolutely. All right. Well, Schalke fans, tonight we will be talking to an English-speaking fan of the club. Joining us is fellow American Schalke supporter, amateur Twitter comedian, and aspiring industry professional. He's affectionately known to all of us as Ethan Tedesco. Please welcome to the show Ethan LeBlanc. Willkommen, Ethan. Thank you. Thank you. Great introduction as well. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you on. It's uh, it's always great to have some fans on. Yeah, just good to get my opinion out and see, let everybody know how I'm feeling. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, unfortunately, we have some somber news to begin the show with. Um, for, former Schalke manager and t- technical director Rudy Assauer uh, passed away before the Polkow match at the age of 74 due to complications from Alzheimer's disease. Um little bit on him for those who are unfamiliar with him. Um, you know, he, he, he oversaw Schalke uh, in the early 90s for the most part, a little bit in the 80s. Um, but he, some, some pivotal things that he's brought into Schalke, uh, was part of, I, I should say, as technical director. Um, he brought us a 1997 UEFA Cup win uh, over Inter Milan, um, DF, DFB Pokal finals in 2001 and 2002, nearly won the Bundesliga title in 2001, uh, to a last-minute loss to Bayern, which uh, he said, you know, pretty much it was his most bitter moment in his career, uh, that moment, that losing to Bayern and losing the title. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate that, we, that he passed away. We, there was a nice tribute to him pre-match in the Pokal. Did you guys get a chance to uh, check that out before the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that speaks to how important of a figure he was when you have um, somebody high up in the club like Clemens Tennis coming down and, and, and you know, giving a, you know, a, nice, a nice tribute to him before the match, calling him essentially the architect of, of modern Schalke. So, um, yeah, big loss for the club for sure. Absolutely. And, and Ethan, um, how long, first of all, for, the, for our listeners here, how long have you been a Schalke fan? Tell us about how you became a Schalke fan. Um. Well, I don't have an exact date, but uh, at some time in the 2011-2012 season, more or less uh, decided this was right for me. You know, the fans are something you, you can't match anywhere else. And like you guys said, it's some of the greatest fans in the world. 
And, uh, you know, Schalke uh, matches my philosophy with, you know, giving young players a chance. And we've seen that more and best uh, this season more often uh, now that injuries have brought up. But, um, yeah, just and last of all, least, I always like to say uh, Jermaine Jones was one of the big reasons as being an American. Nice. He's a big icon, you know, someone who I could look up to. And more or less, that's how I got here. What do you think it says to the club that, you know, when they lose a legend like they did with Hassauer, um that they pay such great tribute to him uh, pre-match like they did today? You know, it, it's unlike with other clubs, it's Schalke is very much uh, a team that's rooted in tradition. And when you have somebody as big as Rudy Assauer, uh who passes away in such unfortunate circumstances, you know, the, it's it doesn't just hurt you know, the fans who are around, you know, there are, you can obviously tell that the players today, none of which who were around back then, right. obviously, they, uh, they could feel it. You could feel that there was a difference today that, you know, there, there, it meant something to them, even if they weren't around. And that's just something you wouldn't get anywhere else. Jack, it, uh, you could tell that, you know, this match, you know, pre-match and all this, uh, all the emotions that were going that Ethan is talking about, um, you could tell the players really wanted to win this for 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 Rudy, um, despite how they've been playing all year. They really showed up today. Yeah, as if we needed any more motivation right, right, <laughs> to exactly. begin with, given how things have gone this season. But uh, yeah, definitely, you would imagine added an extra bit of motivation to uh, to go out and, and and play some attractive football and try to get a result to uh, to honor the man who was all about that back in his time at the helm. Well, we're gonna bid rest in peace to uh, Mr. Assauer. So. Good day, good sir. Um, let's get into this. I want to talk really, um, have a conversation really. First, uh, let's talk about the bad and end it on the good. Uh, the bad being Gladbach um, this past weekend. Uh, what did you guys make of the match? And I'll tell you how I felt You know, watching this game. I thought for the most part, considering this, this opponent was in the top three, I thought we did pretty well for the most part up until a certain red card. But um, I'm curious how you guys both thought. Jack, what did you make of of the match against Gladbach. Yeah, I wasn't particularly optimistic about it coming into it, just given uh, sure, our form absolutely. this season and, and the form that Gladbach has had. I, I kind of, you know, expected that we would, that we would lose, but I think I, I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, loss aside, I actually thought that Gladbach weren't incredibly convincing against us. Uh, I mean, obviously a lot of that changed when, when we had the red card um, and, you know, we, we, we really struggled to, maintain possession or do anything offensively after that point um and that's probably a contributing factor to the goals that we that we allowed as well but um i thought the first half we we looked decent i thought we were very much in that game and uh you know even the goals that Gladbach ended up scoring i thought were a little bit wonky to some extent so i i don't feel like it was a team that really came out and flexed on us um as as a much better club so that i guess in some ways that was promising i mean it's it's a very disappointing result but um you know i i guess given the circumstances of the match you probably walk away from it feeling not as bad as you otherwise might have if if this was just a case of gladbach coming in and 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 dominating and and looking like a much better team because i really don't think they did but feel free to disagree with me Ethan, uh, before this, before that red card actually happened, did you get? Were you having the same impressions that we were that the game was fairly, um, fairly even for the most part, considering you know despite the big differences in the table? Yeah, I definitely felt like, uh, especially in the first half, that it really was anyone's game. You know, it could have gone fifty-fifty. You know, you you felt like if just watching the first half alone, you would have felt like, oh well, you know, point point would suit both teams and. 
you felt like both teams were almost kind of passively taking the draw at one point. But um, yeah, as you said, the red card kind of changed that whole scenario. Did you both guys think that there was a, a straight red? Um, at first, at first, I was not. I was pissed off when I heard it was a red card. When I saw it was a red card, I thought it was a yellow. But it's. Uh, I guess they're going to say that he, you know, they, he stopped a, a a great scoring chance and it was a deserved red. Um, uh, Ethan, what do you think? Did you did you agree with the call? Were you? Well, I'm sure you didn't agree with it, but did you? Were you okay with it once you saw replays and how it how it turned out? Uh, yeah, I felt like you know. Uh, Newville was obviously the last man, and he didn't get the ball at all, and it's outside the box, so you can't claim that there's you know that double jeopardy where you know you can't give the penalty and a red card right. if they try for the ball. So uh, at the end of the day, red card was probably acceptable. Um, unfortunate, but you know that's how it is. Jack, and then that put us in a in a predicament. One, you know, we lose our goaltender. Luckily, we have a number one in the backup. Uh, and Ralph Fairman, but it puts us a man down, and we're already struggling as it is this season. It, it, that made it just that's compounded our problems right there, didn't it? Yeah, but yeah, the goalkeeper odyssey continues, doesn't it? Um, just as Newbles, yeah, seems to get a foothold in, in in the side, this happens, and then you have to bring Fairman back in. And uh, I mean, I, I I too agreed with with the red card decision. What I didn't agree with was the two match ban. I thought that was perhaps a match excessive. Um, I don't know why it was two rather than one, uh, unless there's some rules that I'm unaware of or something, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it completely changed the complexion of the match. We had to bring Fairman on and then, you know, you're a man down and, and you watch matches sometimes where a team goes a man down and for whatever reason, it actually makes them play better. Yeah. Um, that was not the case with no, us at all. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like hoping against hope that maybe somehow that would happen. It did not happen. Um, we just struggled to maintain possession at all we didn't really do much of anything after that point i didn't feel like um you know you saw a debut from rabbi matondo yeah. and uh i mean he barely got on the ball he was just basically running around and you know pressing the entire time um so it, yeah it's, it's really hard to draw many conclusions from the match post red card in my opinion because i don't really think it's it's fair to judge Schalke as much um you know on their merits after that point because they got put in a pretty difficult position and i'm glad you brought up rabbi matondo because they they brought him in after the red card, and I'm thinking, okay, this could work because if they play counterattacking and they get the ball, you know, shoot it out to him, he'll he'll run it down and try to score. Then Ethan, he didn't. I don't even remember him touching the ball once he came in. It just, it. I mean, obviously, Shaka struggled mightily being a man down, but uh, he didn't even get a sniff. We didn't even get a proper assessment of him because of the lack of opportunities he had. Yeah, I definitely felt like he kind of uh, came on for his little uh, cameo and. You know, got the, got some good shots for the camera, but um, not uh, other than that, it wasn't really much from him. But uh, you can't blame him at all. You know, difficult circumstances for him to come into. No, it definitely it definitely was, and uh, but at least we got to see him that he it was an actual signing, even though we know that it was. But uh, I'm now I want to bring up this um, goaltender situation. Um, they brought about they brought it up in the in the telecast, right? Nubel is the for the for the most part right now a number the number one. Um but then he goes down he goes down with this with this red card and gives Fairman an open door. Um I mean we'll see how he does against Byron, but he wasn't too convincing against um uh the match today against Dusseldorf Jack. Uh, do you think it's really a wide open uh uh goaltender battle right now or do you think it's still Nubles? 
I thought he was okay today, Fairman. Um, there was at least one moment where he had a nice double save, although I think maybe was that fault. was, uh, yeah, as a result of not <laughs> totally grabbing that initial shot, but he recovered nicely. Um, I didn't know, I mean, unless I missed something, I didn't notice him making the kind of mistakes he was making post, right. you know, getting getting benched. Um, and I actually think Nubel, prior to his red card in that Gladbach match, at least, at least unless I'm remembering a match from, you know, like a week or two ago, um, I think he had one of those where he, like, passed it right to a Gladbach player, which is the kind of thing that Fairman was doing. Um, it's it's a tough situation because I, I, part of me still... Um, it, when this decision was made, at least, I'll say this, I'll go back to that. My take on it was, yeah, Fairman had put in a couple of really, really bad performances, unacceptable performances, but given the timing of those, I thought that coming out of you know the winter break, they should have given him an opportunity to, to turn that around and correct it, and then if it continued, and then right. at that point, you know, bench him. Um, so I thought it was slightly premature to begin with, and um, yeah, I mean, Nubel's good, but I, I don't think either of them, since Fairman started making those mistakes has been absolutely 100% lights out. Like they've both made mistakes. So it's kind of a tough situation to, to kind of figure out, you know, who, who takes that lead going forward. But I think Tedesco probably ends up looking bad if he goes back on it at this point, um, unless Nubel continues to make mistakes like this. So I, I don't know. I feel like he's probably going to go back to Nubel, um, unless for some reason Fairman puts Still, in a when's ridiculous. The, when's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's how I feel. Ethan, I went on the uh, Super Byron pod uh, the other day, and you know we were previewing the big game that's coming up weekend. And they asked me, you know, who would you want in goal? Do you want Fairman or do you want Noble? And, and just like Jack said, it's like it's a tough call. I mean, you want Fairman there because he's our tried and true, he's our captain. But Noble, he's got obviously all this talent, um, and you want to see the kid try, right? You don't want the kid to walk on the team like so many other people have walked away. Uh, give him an opportunity, and then you also don't want Fairman to walk away. So I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, uh, are you leaning one way or the other, or, or how do you feel about this whole goalie goalie situation? I, yeah, I have um, more more or less made my decision, my opinion known that uh, Fairman would, to me, is is my number one if I had a choice, which quite obvious reasons I don't. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the whole thing is we do have two great goalkeepers who are of a Bundesliga level that we can rely on. Uh, if we need to put either one in, you know, it's not like we have like Jaroslav Jovny, who like Fortuna Dusseldorf had mm-hmm. one goal today. So, it, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it's it's a conversation we were going to have eventually. I just don't think that the timing of it is right. I think this was something we should talk about maybe in the summer when you know we've got the full training camp to like look at things and take it like a bigger overview of it rather than you know somewhat some would argue a heat of the moment thing like you know since we were poor on the table that you know maybe something needed to change but i'm not so sure that uh, this would be the right decision i mean i think we're all in agreement that you know if anything it's the the defense in front of of the goaltender is what needs to change and Meaning they need to shore up and get and get better, not not give away these big goals. Because I think no matter who you have in net, if the defense in front of of the goaltender is doing its job, then it makes the job for the goalie that much easier. And it doesn't matter who's in because they both do the job, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've we've seen improvement definitely over the over the past couple of months uh, from the beginning of the season, which was absolutely unacceptable. Um, you've seen you've seen more improved performances all around from 
you know, from Salif Sané, he's looking better and better each game, in my opinion. And he capped that off against Dusseldorf, obviously, um, with two goals. And, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, scenarios where you look at it and nothing really changed and you were really unsure, like, what, what went wrong? Because last season we were so good defensively. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it just goes away and you yeah. have no idea what happened. And I definitely think the system change to the four two three one was more, uh, you know, the players were unfamiliar with what was going on. They didn't really know where to be. And now that we're kind of settling on a formation instead of switching it week in, week in, out. And uh, I, think, I think it's becoming better the more we focus on one specific tactical uh, outlook. And Jack, I, you know, based on what you know, what Ethan was talking about there, I uh, I'm agreeing that we've gotten better. And I think over the last, at least in the rook run thus, thus far, and a little bit before the before the winter pause, I thought Chaka had been playing a lot better defensively. Also, um, you know, throw the Gladbach thing out the window because we go down a man, and it's it's hard to defend that as it is. And they got players like Thorgan Hazer who just you know is doing brilliant stuff with the ball. He went one play in the game, he'd went around like four or five guys with the ball, just going around doing these tricks. Um, it's hard, so it's really you can't really blame the defense too much on that. I mean, I mean, can you? I mean, I, I come back looking at this Gladbach. Usually, it's, it's a loss. Yeah, it's a loss. But um, I thought we did pretty well considering you know the situation that we were put in. <laughs> you look at the goals that Gladbach scored, and uh, the first one I don't even think was going to be on target. It took a deflection. I mean, it was a yeah. nice it was a nice move from. From Kramer to, to pop it up to himself and get the volley off, but I mean, I, I think that was going wide, and and you know ultimately takes a deflection, and Fairman can't do anything about it. And the second goal, um, to me, I mean, like he like Neuhaus like slipped and accidentally chipped the keeper. Like I don't yeah. think he was trying to do that either. Like may, it, maybe he scores anyway if he stays upright, but it look it, to me it looks like he's winding up for like a fairly typical shot. And he, you know, so both those goals, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, were kind of wonky in my opinion. And, um, I, but some of that's just kind of the way the way football goes. I think Schalke got very lucky a number of times last season. Uh, whenever there was a situation like that, it seemed like it was always going our way. We were always the people getting the penalties. We were always the yeah. people, you know, getting the benefit of these things. And, and you know, over the balance of, you know, multiple seasons, those things are gonna gonna equalize. You would think, and so that, I think that's happening to us a little bit. Obviously, we've been we've been shakier at the back than we have been, and I'm not trying to put it all on like luck or something. Like we haven't been as good, but I don't think we've been terrible. I think once again, the main problem, as it was last season, is just we can't score goals um, consistently enough. If we if we were you know a more dangerous attacking team, I mean, Schalke is not conceding three goals a game. We we wouldn't be losing half these games if we could put in you know one or two goals with a little bit more consistency. So. Um, I'm not. I'm not terribly worried about that aspect of of what we're doing at the moment. Ethan, he says we can't score goals, but we scored four goals today. What the heck is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, definitely. You know, we saw some. We saw our first start with uh, Ahmed Kutuchu yeah, coming man. in and uh, starting. You know, another Kanapenshmida uh, product coming in. We always love to see that. Um, I think uh, this past season. It. It. The, this season. It's. All of the injuries, you know, I hate to I hate to just use that excuse automatically, but uh, you know, Embolo, Birchdaler, Oot uh, even was injured for a while, and you know, your favorite guy, uh, Mark uh, Franco Di Santo, was even injured. <laughs> um, so you know, it was one of those things where even like no disrespect, of course, but Haji Wright is starting, and 
I, I do like him. I do think that uh, he can con- succeed, but I'm not sure if that's at Schalke. You know, he, he may have to drop down a level and get some more confidence, get some good game time in. But uh, I think we're seeing we're seeing a progression back to the mean. Jack, I thought this performance with Katuchu in there was fantastic. I mean, the whole team was pretty good. Um, the first, the goal that Katuchu scored, uh, brilliant goal. I mean, first great layoff by Uth to put it in his way, and then he made the move and took a left footed shot and scored that goal. Um, how brilliant was that from the youngster? I mean, talking about the two Kamishmita products that we've called up at the striker position, Haji right in. Katuchu, I think Katuchu, we'd all agree, definitely looks like the better of those two. Um, he's a little bit more up to the pace, I think, of the game. And um, he's also just pacier in general. He seems to be able to get himself in dangerous positions a little bit more frequently. He's a bit more mobile. Um, yeah, it was a it was a great goal, though. Um, and it was a goal that uh, wasn't terribly defended either. I think when he actually ended up taking that shot, it was like three different Dusseldorf players kind of in front of and around him. He just really hit like the perfect, perfect kind of curling ball to... to, to Laser past the keeper, um, yeah, it was a, it was a great moment for him. It was a great great finish, and you love you love to see that. What was that? His second goal now, yeah, I think for us. And um, he looked good today in a lot of in a lot of different ways. He he contributed later to that uh, to that Mark Uckold, and and uh, I thought he was doing a decent job linking up with the rest of the team as well. He he uh, he, he looks like he has the potential to um, be a decent solution for us for the rest of the season. Now, granted, this was against. Dusseldorf, which is the fourth worst um, team from a defensive record standpoint in the Bundesliga this season, I think they've conceded what, like thirty-nine or close to forty goals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, we know that this is a porous defense, so that's why I think we have to take this offensive performance with a grain of salt to some extent. But I mean, that being said, you can't deny how great of a goal that was from the kid. Yeah, Ethan, Katucci uh, is really something special, and. I'm going to throw something at you, and I want to I want to get your reaction to this. What if I said to you, um, going forward, I want to see Katuchu and Ut leading the line for the team? What would you say? Um, you know, it's obvious. I I love seeing Katuchu in the game, and I think this was obviously a game that you would expect him to thrive in. But um, putting all of our hopes and dreams in him right now, I think would be unfair <laughs> to him. Totally. Uh, to unfair to him and unfair to us because, uh, I mean, Schalke fans' expectations are obviously going to be through the roof whenever you have a teenager from the youth academy coming through. But, um, you know, I think it would be a bit unfair for him. Maybe just being his, you know, first season in the senior team. Especially with uh, Bayern maybe, coming up. <laughs> oh, for certain, yeah. You know, maybe we should keep our expectations a little bit low as so we're not getting frustrated and we can slowly ease him in instead of, you know, chucking him in at the deep end and seeing how it goes. Jack, was there any, you know, talking about this whole cow match, I mean, the team pretty played pretty well. McKenney played well. Ut played well. He got that goal, as you said. Um, Rudy played well, I thought. Sané was fantastic, two goals. Um, we got to see Jeffrey Bruma, the new, the new player in there. Uh, what players stood out for you in this matchup, and were there any that you were, that you thought maybe didn't play quite as well? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of big takeaways. Obviously, the Katuchu thing is huge. The fact that Marku got back on the score sheet is awesome to see. Um, but for me, I think I think the standout was Salif Sané, and the, and the reason for that is 
this is the kind of performance I think we expected to see from him a little bit more frequently when we when we sign him out. We're expecting him to score a brace every game, but um, he has not been an offensive threat to the extent that I think a lot of us expected him to be, at least at least right. what I expected him to be. Um, so to see him put in a performance like this w- was awesome. He was very active in the box. Um, I mean, the first goal was not, it wasn't even ahead of the goal. It was just, you know, a quick reaction rebound type situation. So that was awesome. And I thought he put in a, a pretty good performance defensively as well. That, that's what we need to see from him. And if we can start getting some set piece momentum going um, and, and even regain, you know, maybe 50% of what we were on set pieces last season, that's going to serve us very well going forward for the rest of the campaign. Um, other players that stood out, uh, I mean, McKenney was hilarious because he was playing, what, like three different positions today? Yeah, um, all the second half, too. Yeah, <laughs> started off kind of back in that double pivot, which is where everyone wants him to be, and that's like the first time he's played in what I think everyone considers to be his his natural or his ideal position. That's the first yeah. time he's played there in like weeks, I think. Um, and then at some point, he shifted to like center back briefly, Yeah. Um, and then then he was like playing striker <laughs> minutes, or something. Within or like, minutes, yeah, with the yeah. striker. Yeah, he just went up back up top and was trying to like win aerials. Like he he makes absolutely no sense. I mean, it's not his fault. It's what Tedesco is asking him to do clearly. But, um, but he's effective everywhere he goes, isn't it? I mean, he the guy the kid is insane in aerials. His head is a yes. magnet for the ball every time. I mean, you can talk about deficiencies in other areas of his games and rightfully criticize him for him. But like that kid is insane in the air, and you saw and you also saw it on the Sane's first first goal. I mean, like that is a laser header. From McKenney, yeah, great um, save by the reac- goalie. Great save, yeah, by the pretty goalie. good. Rea- I mean, he hit it kind of right at him, but it was still a very good reaction save. But like, yeah. So I mean, McKenney, I think stood out again, um, just for you know his work rate and his versatility, and he was, he was just everywhere. Um, wasn't you know always like the cleanest performance from him, but he was he was good, and I think he uh, he was involved in Katuchu's goal as well. Yes, he, he had was. nice. He had a nice header. Um, was it to Oop that he laid it off to? Yeah, and then Oop, yeah, yeah, something like that. So. Yeah, some good performances from um, a number of of uh, different people. I, I was, I mean, I was watching this at at the office, obviously, because this is like what, like one forty five kickoff my time. So I wasn't watching it as closely as I as I would if it was a weekend match or something. Um, so I'm not super comfortable judging um, Bruma on his debut. Um, so I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about him and how, how he looked out there today. Before we get to that, Ethan, I was curious what your take on Sane was and. Uh, do you think uh, he and McKinney were the standouts, or was anyone anyone else that stood out for you? Uh, I definitely did like seeing uh, Bentaleb. I mean, as obviously you're going to expect those kind of performances from him, keeping the oversight and yeah. you know just really keeping the game on a basic level when he needs to, but also having the willingness to pull out a skill here and there just to open up the game a little bit more. Um, I did think that he had a couple ridiculous long balls too. Just yes, insane passes downfield that I that I noticed as well. Sorry, go ahead. I think he must have he must have been watching some YouTube compilations of Gerard. Uh, <laughs> but I did like I did like Mark Oud. I wasn't sure if we were going to play Sardar back on that right side again, like we did against Gladbach, or if we were going to play Katuchu behind Oud or Oud behind Katuchu. But it did look like Katuchu was playing as that center forward, Sardar in behind, and Oud on the right. And I did like that combo. Uh, how it ended up working out. So uh, it's, it's something to build on for sure. Uh, you know, it is Dusseldorf. So like you said, take it with a, a grain of salt. But I, I liked I liked the overall team performance. There was not one player where I was really looking back at it going, oh, they didn't really play well today. I think everyone had a pretty good game. And uh, just hoping we can build off of that. 
Yeah, and you were talking about, you know, Jack, you were asking about Jeffrey Bruma, and I thought he had a solid performance uh, for a first match, his first match really in a long time, because he hasn't played all season. Um, I thought it was actually a pretty decent performance. He he cleaned up when he had to. You know, it was, for the most part, no nonsense, knocked out of bounds and stuff. Um, I can't remember if he was in the play where Dusseldorf scored or not, um, but other than that, I mean, I thought he was fairly solid, and I mean, he... There was no nothing out there that I was like, oh, they, we should have done that, you know. Just like, okay, pretty good performance. Him and um, him and Sonic, obviously Sonic, because he had the two goals. But I thought them together was a good good combo, and they're both big guys. They're big backs, so um, not many's gonna, not, not many things are gonna get past them in the air. I thought so. Um, Ethan, what was your assessment of Bruma? Uh, you know, debuts are always gonna be hard, but uh, you know, it makes it a little bit easier when. You've got some, you know, stability with the three of the same back four coming in, and Bruma coming in for Nastasic, who I think picked up a knock in training. Uh, you know, he, like you said, he did the basics. He he wasn't out there to wow you at all. You know, he he got out there, did his job, and you know, the, the, something positive uh, after we sell Naldo. You know, we I think we were left with uh, two n- natural center backs more yeah, or less. So yeah. to to get Bruma in who does have good Bundesliga experience under him and uh, obviously showed that with a pretty pretty solid performance on his debut, for sure. But uh, he did have that one, uh, one two-footed tackle that uh, kind of <laughs> made him a little bit more uh, conscious uh, going into the second half. <laughs> he did do that. Um, so the game ended 4-1, um, a, a good victory, good Pokal victory. Um, Bayern, who we're playing this weekend, they were on the ropes for the most part in their game. Their game went to extra time, tied at two with Hertha Berlin. Um, then somehow Kingsley Coman scored a goal with four guys around him. I, to me, I still can't forget how how that goal went in. But um, nonetheless, Bayern move on as well. Um, Jack, uh, who do you know who the next opponent or possible opponent could be for Schalke in the Pokal? Well, it would have been massive, wouldn't it, if, if uh, Dortmund and... Bayern had got knocked out yeah. successive days. That would have been that would have been <laughs> nice. But um, still, a couple of really good teams left. I, I think the feel that this moment, uh, the big names are obviously Bayern, as we just said. Uh, I would like to say again, uh, Werder Bremen, um, and then uh, beyond that, Augsburg, Hamburg, uh, Paderborn, and I think Heidenheim is the last one. So, uh, kind of a mixed bag there. A couple of teams you probably wouldn't want to face, and a couple of teams you'd 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 be happy taking your chances against. So we'll have to see how that how that draw goes. I guess it's hoping that all the Bundesliga teams, uh, except for Schalke, play each other, and then Schalke get you know Heidenheim or Paderborn <laughs> or something like that. But I guess you know those teams have also created upsets to get this far in a tournament too. But I still would rather play one of the lower teams than uh, than Bayern or, or Werder at this point. So. Um, I guess it's fair to say with you, Ethan, that'll be the same same uh, assessment. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I would like to avoid is, uh, you know, Hamburg. Uh, even though they are in the second Bundesliga, oh, they're uh, talented. They, they are very talented still, and you can't you can't deny that. And um, you know, and with all their form going into this, them being, I believe, top of the second Bundesliga table, you know, at some one point you have to think like. Maybe they're just in too good a form where you you don't want to face them. Uh, so someone I look at that I would like is maybe like an Augsburg who we're more familiar with how they're playing this season, and you can kind of feel get a feel for how they might uh, come out with against you. 
uh, and more specifically, Augsburg really have no ambitions to win this competition, you know, with all due respect. Um, they're probably just along for the ride, seeing how it's going to go. And uh, you would just hope that uh, we can get, like you said, get one of the uh, more easier draws and uh, avoid maybe a Bayern or Leipzig. Yeah, absolutely. And um, a team like Hamburg, like you mentioned, they are not only young and talented, but they play their formation style is just off the charts. And it's not something that people are, or many people are used to in, in Europe in general, not just in the Bundesliga or, or in Germany. I mean, they got uh, the goaltender, what's his name, Julian Pullersbeck or whatever. Um, he mm-hmm. basically plays as a center back in this system, and they play very, very unique formation, you know, and uh, very aggressive, very unique, very untraditional, and it could cause certainly fits for not only Schalke, but any team, I think, in this tournament, Jack, um, having a team with this kind of uh, X factor to them that you don't know quite what to, what to, what to deal with with them. Well, I'm just shaking in my boots at the prospect of facing Lewis Holby. <laughs> uh, the shot the killer, former shot that, that's killer. The, yeah, that's the X factor. We all know that. That's right. Um, yeah, I would agree, though. Obviously, they're they're in they're in hot form um, as they are now. So uh, yeah, you can't take them for granted, even though they're not in the top division at the moment. Um, probably some other teams we'd like to face. Before them, but uh, at the end of the day, I think we'd probably take, you know, Hamburg over Leipzig, Bremen or or Bayern as well. So, sure. Well, since you did mention Bayern, um, before we get into transfer talks, let's talk about that Bayern match coming up this weekend. Um, we are we will have a couple guys from the Super Bayern Pod on our show to uh, repeat, uh, review the match. But until then, um, it's an interesting game, right? Last weekend, Leverkusen did the. Unthinkable, I guess, for the most part. I don't know why we think unthinkable because they actually are a good team. Uh, beat Byron three to one, um, so we know Byron is a little bit weak. But then again, you know, maybe Byron's gonna be angry after that loss, right? Well, today they come back in the, in the Pokal and they put up a stinker against Hertha. So who's to say they're not really in just a bad funk of form? Um, Jack, do we do we have a chance in this match? Of course, I mean, you, yeah, you always, you always have a chance. Um, I'm never optimistic when we play Byron, but you always have a chance. Uh, and I guess if there was a season that you're more optimistic about playing them, it's probably this season, right? Especially right. the form they've been in the last couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, I, but it's it's going to require us to play better than we've played for the most part this season because our, our, our typical standard of play this year has not been to the level where you're going to beat a team like Byron without um, some major luck going your way. So, uh yeah, hopefully we can <laughs> – I mean, it, you, you remember my rant, like, first half of the season, the first time we played Bayern. <laughs> like, if we do that again, we have a 0% chance. Like, I'm going to throw my not, computer. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, Tedesco completely abandoned the short passing game. We, all we were doing was just kicking long balls and running after them and giving them possession immediately. Like, you can't beat Bayern that way. So um, the way I always look at these Bayern games is we're in 12th place right now. Like, our season is is in is in trouble. The chances of us – doing anything to make Europe are like extremely slight. Like it's, it's likely not going to happen. So what do we have to be afraid of? Like let's go out and play some football and see if we can take it to them. That, that's kind of the way I approach these things. So I was disappointed to see that we didn't do that earlier in the season. And, and especially now, given where we are on the table, I, I, I'm hoping that we can at least go down swinging if we're not going to be able to uh, knock them off. 
Ethan, if there's a weakness on this Bayern team or, or, or a way that Schalke should attack them, uh, what's what's that way that, that path towards either victory or draw, or whatever? Um, how do you see Schalke need to attack? Definitely against Bayern, you you don't want to sit back and just you know let them have at you like uh, some other teams might might think be wise to do. But I feel like our performance against Bayern away last season. Was, would, is really the blueprint we have to go for. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we definitely have to uh, take the initiative, you know, try to press them. And in that match, although we didn't win, we, we showed a lot of promise and a lot of spirit. Just, you know, those those key phrases that everybody likes to talk about. You know, it, it wasn't a win. It wasn't a good result. Um, we did lose. But, you know, it's one of those things where even though we did lose, the players can take away a bit of confidence that maybe we can go toe-to-toe with Bayern. And uh, it's good for the long term, if not just the rest of the season. And that's the exact example that I was using, too, is that that game in particular, you know, yeah, we lost 2 nothing, but we pressed them for 90 minutes. We made Byron feel uncomfortable. They were uh, making unforced errors. We didn't finish in our chances by any stretch, but uh, we made them work for the goals that they got. And It was a Franco uh, DeSanto masterclass, wasn't it? I, I was about to say. That yeah, was his false nine. Want to acknowledge, you might not want to acknowledge that it was 2-1, but uh, Franco DeSanto did score a goal in that game. So, he, was, uh, he was very good off the ball in that game as well. That was that was yeah. his high point at Schalke for me, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Ever since it hasn't gone so well. <laughs> <laughs> his head got too big for him after that. <laughs> For sure, but I, yeah, no, I agree. That's that's the that's the the way we need to attack them, and uh, you know, can we do it? Sure, um, we we learn from maybe we can learn something from what Bayer Leverkusen did as well. But obviously, they have a little bit more talent, a little bit more speed than we do at the moment. Um, I think Bastian Ochipka and Daniel Caligiuri are going to have to be big. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, Ochipka is going to attack more. They're going to be more susceptible to defense. I mean, my my worry though with those two is. Byron's going to run at them and make them work, you know, the full full 90 and get them exhausted early in the game. Um, but we need Daniel Calgary to step up like he does in the big games and Ochipka, both of them, to really attack and get the crosses in and, you know, give McKenney and, and, and the strikers an opportunity to at least, you know, get a sniff on goal because um, the few opportunities that we will get, we need to capitalize on. We, just, we, can't, we can't, you know, shank our shots, the ones that we do get. So because um, we know a lot of shots are going to come our way. So we'll see how, how that pans out. Uh, do you guys have any predictions, Ethan? Uh, any predictions for the matchup against Byron? Um, it's not going to be a good one, but uh, I'm going to be a realistic uh, 2-0 loss. But um, I don't see it being a blowout. I see it being a hard-fought match, much like the Gladbach game was in for the first 60 minutes. The, I think it's going to be a hard-fought match that inevitably uh, Byron's quality just shows and, you know, we walk away maybe slightly disappointed. Mm, very good, Jack. What do you? What say you? I think we're going to lose, but um, my alternate universe prediction: uh, I'll go two-one victory for Schalke, and I'll go uh, Bastion Ochipka. Brace, brace the Bastion, No, Bastion, <laughs> Bastion Ochipka. Bastion Ochipka free kick goal. Oh, and uh, Nastasic uh, like tapping on a loose ball in the box. Okay. Okay. I like it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, I'm going to say, where do I want to go with this? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a draw, and goals are going to come from 
new kid Robbie Matana- Matando. Ooh. He's gonna come with catch him with speed. And then Ooh. I think Ut is gonna get a goal. So those are our goals there. So I think two two. A draw. It's very optimistic because it's rare we get two goals. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um all right, that's enough football talk. We're gonna end this one on transfer talks. All right, the transfer window's all done. We've got our guys. Uh, we sold no one. Um, Manchester City, they sold us Rabi Matando, the one we just mentioned. Um, and we did not give up Sebastian Rudy. So I'll take that for the most part. Matando comes over for 13 million euros, I believe. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what do we think of the deal? Jack, you go first. Same things I was saying last week. I think uh, it's a lot of money to spend on a 18-year-old academy product with you know very little senior team experience, if any. Uh, but that being said, the more I've read about him in, in you know the the days and weeks since we've brought him in, it, it does seem that he's he's thought very highly of um, in, in a number of different circles and has a lot of potential. Um, and the fact that you know Tedesco's slotting him right into the into the games, um, a substitute performance appearance, and then a start today um, in his first couple of weeks with the club, I think is also speaks to um, how good he must be. I mean, I don't, I don't think Tedesco is doing that just for the hell of it. Like I think you know the kid obviously has some quality, so it's going to take him some a little bit of time to settle. Um, but hopefully, he can get some chemistry with his teammates. And um, you know, they, they were looking for him at times today against Dusseldorf. I, I was hoping they were going to try to find him a little bit more, but um, clearly a, a, a kid who could be an X factor. Um, he's just got, you know, blinding pace, good balance. Um, and uh, a couple times today showed flashes of being able to deliver some dangerous balls in as well. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I guess I just initially thought that that was a, a strange place to be investing that kind of money, but right. clearly they've, they've done their scouting and they really believe in this kid. Ethan, uh, do you have the same assessment about the the speedy winger? I think it's definitely one aspect that was missing from our squad. You know, something we haven't really seen since Leroy Zane left. You know, it's that lightning speed that, you know, you can just give them the ball, give the ball defeat and have them take on their defender 1v1. You know, we have players like, I mean, Harry who can do that more or less, but it, it's not always as direct as you would like it. So I think with Matondo, we'll see more or less that uh, direct winger sort of approach that I think we've really been missing. Yeah, he's uh, he certainly brings, he's another type of X factor that we don't have much of. I mean, I mean, Harit, he's doing it inconsistently this season. Given uh, Konoplyanka, when he plays, you see snippets of it, um, but there's not that consistent, you know, mi- X factor in the game, and hopefully he can bring some of that. As you guys mentioned, he's speedy. He's got he's got um, potential to create offensive opportunities. So I think that's big and something that's been missing for the team. And hopefully he can bring that kind of stuff, um, and that'll hopefully help generate more goals going forward. Um, moving on to number two factor, not factor outcome, I should say. Jack and I are happy to report that Nikola Kalinic did not join Schalke. Um, the world erupts in applause when that happened, or did not happen, I should say. Ethan, yeah, we already gave our opinion on Nikola Kalinic. I'm curious, what was, what's your opinion of Kalinic? Would you have welcomed him to the club, or, or are you like with, or like with us and just want him away as far as possible? 
Um, I'll start off by saying I'm very glad that we did not go for Nikola Kalinic. Um, first of all, he's 31 years old, and he's really never, ever since his Fiorentina days, he's not really grasped any sort of consistent playing time. And exactly. finding that here, especially with all of our strikers that we were looking at were injured at the time, and I just thought it would have been a little bit superfluous for us to sign Kalinic when we have, you know, at the time, three strikers who are injured and will come back eventually. It just didn't make sense to me, especially with the reported $15 million potential fee for a 31-year-old who can't score goals, you know. I mean, we did get rid of Franco Di Santo this this uh, this transfer window to go into Rio Vallecano, but I, I didn't think we needed to replace Di Santo like that. <laughs> replace one for the other, right? How can you yeah, replace exactly. Franco Di Santo, really, when it comes down to it? He is an irreplaceable figure. He's the only yeah, guy to win the Franco Di Santo award. I don't think anyone can replicate his his talents or lack thereof. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with I agree with Ethan though, and I, I'd like to think that uh, the backlash on Twitter to the rumors about Kalinic had some effect on whether or not Schalke were actually pursuing him. Obviously, that's probably not the case, but I'd like to think that Ethan and I had to had in that not happening because <laughs> um, I, I very quickly changed my hashtag from DeSanto out to Kalinic not in. Um, <laughs> Trying to stay that off, but I, yeah, I, I, I agree with him. I, I was, I was pleased that that was not the direction we went. I don't think we need him um, at the club for all the reasons he said. And then on top of that, just you know, just from what what we hear, not a good personality in the locker room, which in the midst of a difficult campaign is the last thing we need to add to the equation. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm glad we didn't get him because that just would have been another headache. That if you you thought Jack's rants were bad with Desanto, you should have, you, wait till you would have heard mine with Nikola Kalinic. So I already had enough of him. So um, the last one we're going to talk about is the uh, rumor that came to fruition in the sense that oh, we kept hearing this rumor about this mysterious Mister X for defense that is coming to Schalke, and we're like, what the heck is this about? Because we rarely hear, we never hear anybody from Schalke saying we have a Mister X. Um, well, that rumor was true, and we come to find out that Mister X is Jeffrey Bruma. The Dutchman was loaned from Wolfsburg to Schalke to the end of the season. Um, Ethan, what are your thoughts on the deal? Uh, definitely having to offload now, though, in such a weird circumstance, I would say, where it seemed like he wanted to go for, for not playing, which you can understand, and especially at Naldo's age. And what he's done for the club, you kind of have a little bit of leadway and you know, just letting him do things on his own terms, more or less. But um, I think after that deal, Jeffrey Brumo was probably the best replacement we could have gotten for a reasonable price uh, that was available. You know, like I said, Bundesliga experience. You know, he's been around European leagues. He's played for PSV Eindhoven, who we constantly see in the Champions League. He played for Wolfsburg, not played recently, but, you know, getting him on loan with, I believe it's a 3.5 million euro future fee. For someone who's still 27 and might have, you know, three, four years at the the Bundesliga level, I think that's a good deal in in uh, hindsight. Jack, do you like the deal as well? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, there were some people I saw online that were like, kind of rolled their eyes at this one, like saying it wasn't a really great pickup. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, we we needed depth in this position. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, normal leaving and the fact that we really only have. You know, a couple center backs, um, unless you want to keep playing, you know, like a three back formation or if you wanted to put Stan Bouley, um as, as one of two in a back four, which I don't think we've really almost ever done. 
Um, or if you want to use McKinney back there, which I don't think now, I was going to, to say, we could we could use the jack of all trades at center yeah. back if we really need to. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, we needed to bring somebody in. I don't think he he's a bad option. Yeah, maybe he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations that people had for him in, in his career, um, particularly when he was playing well at, at PSV Eindhoven. But um, yeah, I don't think it's a bad pickup at all. It's 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 a good you know band aid for the time being, and um, if he puts in you know, even average shifts for the rest of the season. I think that was a good move because we, we need that depth. I'm hundred percent. Both you guys, uh, the depth is what we needed. We only had two official center backs and then you got McKinney, the Mr. Jack of all trades, as Ethan says, um, it's good to have that. We already saw him play today and give Nastasa to rest. I don't even know if Nastasa was able to play or if he has suspension or anything like that, but, um, it's good to get him in there. I mean, get some rotation going. Uh, uh, Salisane obviously did well with, uh, Bruma in there. So, um, it's good to have him in there, and like you said, who knows, maybe this guy will become um, one of the main guys there. Or maybe, you know, now Tedesco, if he wants, he can try to go with a, a three-back system, though I, I like this four-man back line that they got going. So I like the deal as well. Um, great pickup, I think. Uh, as Ethan said, the price is right. Um, it's a loan with an option to buy. Uh, we'll see how the season goes, and if he uh, if he does well with us, uh, why not give him, uh, get that, you know, uh, make it official and sign him over here. So, um I'm thrilled overall with this uh, the window. We didn't do much, but uh, I think we picked up a couple couple spots that we needed work on, uh, both with uh, a speedy winger, a young player, and then get a depth in the defense. I think we it was okay uh, transfer market. Uh, what, what do you think, Ethan? Were you happy with the transfer window? Yeah, I definitely think we were all a little bit nervous. You know, Matondo wasn't announced until the 30th. Yeah. So we we kind of left it until late, but uh, we did get it eventually done. You know, uh, we, we were all sort of just like scratching our heads, like, what's what's going on? Are we even going to sign someone? Uh, so the fact that we did get two signings in, especially for what I would perceive as pretty good deals, it, it's pretty good and i would assume that this staves off any concerns about christian heidel's job because there were some murmurs that he was you know there was some pressure on him maybe he was going to leave in the winter but i think after this transfer window which i would rate probably a 7.5 out of 10 okay. which is not fantastic but i would say it was a good window yeah jack i i probably agree with him in that assessment that it's 7.5 and also, you got to to me the the signing of the of the of the transfer window was Beppo Icorn bringing him back on the squad and hopefully you know inject some kind of um, offensive uh, minded strategies to Tedesco hopefully going forward. Um, but we'll see, uh, Jack. What, did you, what was your grading of the of the transfer window? Yeah, that's a good shout on on Icorn there. Um, I don't know if I agree with Ethan on, on what the long-term implications of this transfer window are on Heidel's job security, but um, I do think it ultimately ended up being um, a totally acceptable transfer window. I don't think we needed help in the midfield. Um, I think we have enough depth there. I don't think we needed help at the striker position. I think what we needed going into the Vinter Pauser was uh, help at center back first and foremost, and then if you can pick up an X factor and somebody to shake things up on top of that, you do it, and that's you know what Matondo fills. Um, so those two things, I think we, we got the depth we needed at the, the very important position, and we got a, an exciting young talent who hopefully can uh, inject something in, into a very uh, stagnant and boring attack. So for those reasons, yeah, I think it was a, a decent window. I wasn't blown away by the moves that we made, but um, I'm, I'm totally satisfied with it. 
All right, Schalke fans, uh, it's your chance to, vo- to chime in. Uh, give us your thoughts on the Gladbach match, the win in the Polkal against Dusseldorf, and then the transfer window. Let us know at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Um, quick reminder, uh, kits are still on sale at the Schalke store for 55 euros. You can get the Umbro fitness gear for 20% off as well. Um, and then one quick shout-out. It says we are playing Byron this weekend. Weston McKinney has come out and said his aunt's bar is the viewing party for the for Schalke against Byron. So if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, Jack, it's only probably another 12-hour ride for you. You can probably make that. Um, <laughs> go on out this Saturday and support Schalke. I think on that note, we were going to wrap this one up. We want to thank Schalke for tidbits on our podcast today. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke U.S. newsletter by simply going to the team website, entering your email address, and you will receive them monthly. Uh, Ethan, we're going to give a little shout-out to our friends at NBC4 Nashville. If you don't know them, you should follow them. They are good, good friends of the show. (laughs) We'll be sure to do so. (laughs) Good. Uh, We want to thank you, Ethan, for joining us on the show today. Uh, It's always great to hear fans' perspective on the team. Uh, For our followers, where can they find you on social media? Uh, You can find me on Twitter.com at Tedesco Time. That's a good tag, I believe. <laughs> nice. Uh, he's definitely he's definitely a fun follow. Uh, Jack, uh, where can our followers find you? Uh, and Ethan has three times the followers that I have, so you should definitely follow me before you follow him. Um, <laughs> Help a brother out. You can spread spread it around a little. Uh, yeah. I, I, normally, it's like, oh, you get the SO4 podcast bump by appearing on here, but maybe I'll get the Ethan bump by him appearing on our podcast. Uh, yeah, we both need. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at uh, J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. And uh, I believe there's also a watch party taking place at Amsterdam Tavern in St. Louis, the place I always claim I'm going to go for a watch party and then never do. Um, so if you're in the St. Louis area, definitely check that venue out. should be a good time. I want to give a shout-out to the Super Byron podcast. Uh, they had me on this past week. Um, and then we're going to have some guests on uh, this weekend coming up. So they were they were tremendous. Um I'm going to do a little plug-in away here. I, I, I wrote an article for Breaking the Lines uh, to preview the Manchester City against Schalke Champions League match. Um, you should check that out. I, you should. And then I also wrote something for the Goldmouth Scramble like a week before, but uh, you can look that up and follow me on Twitter at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. You can find all those articles and everything we tweet. Um, until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Tschüss.